Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Search for Coach Bo Knows Show. We do share some different stuff on there from time to time, some fun and interesting articles and whatnot. Um, you can email us anytime also at Coach Bo Knows Show at gmail.com. Today is episode 75. We are 75 weeks into this thing. And joining me to review all of Super Bowl 57 is one of our greatest contributors. He is our NFL insider. He is, ladies, you already know him if you're in the Denver area. He's the real reason that Sierra moved to Denver. Folks, if you're out there, check out his new book, Russ Can Cook, But I Can Eat. His mother named him Ricardo, but around here we call him Uncle Rico. My main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Ricardo, did you uh, enjoy Super Bowl 57? I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've had a little bit of time to have that settle in, but uh, on the overall, I thought it was a great game, and I did enjoy the game itself. I thought the game was a good game. The team I was rooting for did not win. That's okay. I have a couple of frustrations in this game. I feel like Frank Costanza today. I got some problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. But yeah, overall, so I was, you know, we were talking last week. What's funny is exactly what we said going was going to go down with them. Yep. We said that yep. we liked the Eagles early, and if the Eagles were going to get ahead, and it was going to take Mahomes being Mahomes to win the game. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, care to yeah. disagree? I, I, <laughs> it's unbelievable I, how good we've got at this. Yeah, it's 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 what we thought would happen if this or if that was exactly how that went. Exactly. Um, when they ran, they ran successfully. But you could tell, especially in the second quarter, the Chiefs got away from the run, and it was a mistake. They could have had a much more commanding situation in the second half had they run through Pacheco more in the second quarter. Um, I thought thought the Eagles came out strong in the beginning, and and I know there's that one play. We we can talk about the penalty. We can talk about the end of the game to the end of the the, the, forever. But – there's only one play that I know is eating up Jalen Hurts alive, and he will eat him up for a very, very long time. And to me, that one play is the difference maker in the rest of the game more than anything else. Yeah, the fumble is every the fumble six is return for six. That is the game. That that is the game. That that cost them the game. You can argue about the holding call, and I will in a little bit. But what I'll say is you're not even there without that play. This game should have been 24 to 7 at the half. Great. It was a tale of two halves. The Eagles were up 14 or up uh 24-14, and they, they you know they get the ball right back after the, the defensive touchdown and they scored. They went right down to score. So that would have been the same yeah. possession, let's call. So it's not like they missed a possession. 
But what they did do is they handed the Chiefs seven free points. Um, I look at it, and that was the thing. I mean, they're down 24-7 at the half. They're not coming back from 17 down. 10's do it. Agreed. Agreed. 17's not. Not as good as the Eagles were playing. And I thought the Eagles offense, I bought both offenses. It took us a tail two halves. I bought the second half. Both offenses were good. The Chiefs were better in the second half than the Eagles. The wood like the Eagles were bad and punted once. Um, but that one punt was a little too much. And it wasn't a very good punt. Um, the other piece is with the um the Eagles in the first had the offense. I mean, they just came out murdering the Chiefs. I mean, it was just go down the yeah, field. Yeah, they were completely score, in charge. Down field, and this is exactly what we thought they were going to do. Because they're going to run the ball. They're going to hit a couple of big plays. And in the first possession, they had more passes than runs. And it was because they got big plays because the Chiefs had loaded up the box, which is exactly what we expected them to do. It was like, all right. I, I know that, like, we're just a couple of guys, you know. Like, I've done some high school coaching. I know you know football. And we played together in high school, but you know, neither of us are are obviously coordinators at the NFL level. Um, I it's amazing how we called this. I mean, pretty much all of it. And the one thing we were worried about against the Chiefs' offense was the motion. I ain't heard anybody talk about this yet. I have listened to everybody on ESPN and NFL Network and. Goddamn, everybody's getting it wrong. The difference between <laughs> the first and the second half in the Chiefs' offense was the motion. They saw what the – so the, if you if you face the Chiefs, tell me what you think about this. I'm going to lay it out and let you give me your opinion. Sure. You know the Chiefs want to get in motion. They want to get you in motion for two reasons. One, to run the ball. One, to try to move defenders – they do it very well, and they move defenders so they can they don't have to block somebody, and they have numbers in the run game, the counter game especially. We saw a lot of that with Pacheco's good runs, the ones that were six, eight, ten yards. Those were because of the motion. When they're moving motion and you're taking a tight end and moving them clear across the field, and it makes all three of the linebackers in a 4-3 formation move over, and now you got nobody past the midfield. I can run counter out of that all day long. And that's what the Chiefs did. It was great. Then the other piece of the motion, they'd run motion to see if it's because what everybody does with motion in the NFL is to see if they're in zone or man with defensive backs. The Eagles stuck with man way too long. And you have to, in a way, because you're worried about Kelsey. I get that. They also played Kelsey piss poor for half the game. But when they did the motion, they were so caught up, they being the Eagles, were so caught up in the man, the defender going across the formation and not handing players off, that two touchdowns were in-out motion. They were the, what we call return motion. One yeah, to the were, left, they, they, one they to the right, that. both in the red zone. They highlighted that, yes, yes. Both of them were that motion, and it was because the Chiefs saw that the Eagles weren't breaking man 
even in the, especially in the red zone. So again, if I line up too wide on the, on the left, I guess on my left, and you've got two guys, I got one wide out to the right. Okay. Then I motion him and your guys coming with him. That's high school football to run the goddamn return right back out to him. Cause the other guys are thinking he's going across the formation. And the Chiefs did that beautifully, twice for touchdowns. The second one was so wide open that literally you, I, or anyone we know could have thrown the damn thing. The one, two, I got to see who it was. One that was the offensive right on the late yeah. touchdown, second to last touchdown. It was a great play. The second, the, the, of those two, it was the second one, yeah. Now, the, the one to the left, the one I, I think it went to, was it Pacheco that scored the last touchdown? I'm trying to remember. I want or to was it? It was. I guess I can look. I think it was up. MVS. Or Juju. Okay. I don't think it well, was. On that, that was beautifully drawn out. And again, it took advantage of the motion because when they went to the motion, they looked at the safety and the safety moved over to take the inside guy. There was nobody on the what, what is basically a running back out of the backfield. And Mahomes had his choice. He had two guys wide open. All he had to look to see was which way the safety was going to go. The safety went to the inside where he should have gone to the outside. You, it'd, be yeah. a, it'd be a harder throw for Mahomes to throw it to the inside, but he would have completed it for a touchdown either way. That was the one to Kadarius Tony. I think it was on the left at the end. Uh-huh. So I, I got to give a ton of credit to the to the the Chiefs for holding that return motion until the second half and really getting an idea of how they were going to de- how the Eagles were going to defend that. And what bothers me about that is that if you're a defensive coordinator. And you know a team runs a lot of motion, which the Chiefs run an incredible amount of. You've got to understand that. But then you also have to extrapolate that and say, what have they not shown us yet? We've all said for a while, we thought there was something the Chiefs had that they hadn't shown. And that's what it was. It was return motion, which simply is something that any defensive coordinator at that level in a Super Bowl should have been able to say, hey, we need to be ready for this in case they run this, especially in the red zone or a third down play. You know, you get like third and three or third and four. That's a perfect call. And the Eagles did not plan that well. They also, frankly, were so bad up front defensively. They got no pressure on Mahomes at all. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think I remember watching as I'm watching it or was watching it, I kept thinking to myself, the four man rush was would with any other quarterback would have been sufficient. But the way Patrick Mahomes scrambles and throws quickly and kind of yeah. out of you know out of his the way he does they weren't getting there fast enough. And my problem with it is, is when they stunted, 
that's when they got burned really bad. And they and it wasn't it didn't even bring one. They they, they sent like two or three guys. Like they were just all yes. out blitz. And yeah. he and, they, and he saw it. And the, we talked about what was why getting rid of Tyreek Hill was so good for him. This is it. In those situations, his football knowledge, his understanding of reading defenses and seeing that situation shown in the second half there where he saw that coming and knew he was getting rid of that ball almost instantly. He also knew that where he was going to be throwing it was going to be uncovered because he was throwing to where they were blitzing from. Yeah. So that coverage was going to be open and he, he called, he nailed it perfectly. Yeah. The, the problem was the Eagles, when they did blitz, especially late in the game, they were bringing six and not five. What they, Should have been five, and and bringing that extra man, he just he ate him up at those spots, and he did a masterful job, just as you said, of throwing it where the linebacking the blitz linebacker came from. I, it was it was masterful how good Mahomes was, and I think you brought up the point, and we'll talk about this at length here in a little bit. The Tyree kill thing, we you and I talked about this a lot this season. And we said this was going to help him become a better bringing it up. And today, or yesterday, was the day we saw it and said, we told you that was coming. Yeah, that's what he does better now than he could have done with Tyreek Hill in the offense. It's not a whole lot of that. They cut down on the schoolyard bullshit, and look what happened. In addition to that, I want to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and Andy Reid because you could see the difference. This is, this is experience showing itself that the halftime adjustments that they made on the Chiefs' side were not done on the Eagles' side. The Eagles almost looked like a carbon copy of what they did in the first half, but the Chiefs had figured it out. and The adjustments weren't yeah. being made, especially on the defensive side. Offensively, oh, yeah. and I and, – I'm going to credit a lot to, to Jalen Hurts here. Anyone who thinks that he's not a top quarterback in this league, I point to you at yesterday's game. Yes, he had the fumble. But he kept toe-to-toe that offense he mastered to match Mahomes all night long. Well, let's be blunt. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes yesterday. As, uh, purely at the position, yes. Yeah. Purely yeah, at I mean, the position, hey, look, absolutely. Mahomes won the game, and we can argue that the Eagles should have had a minute 20 and a timeout, but they didn't get that because of a call. But if that happens, I got to think Jalen gets him down there for a field goal, and we got an overtime Super Bowl. And how great yeah, would that have been? That would have been all that I, I'm praying for. I'm, us and everybody were praying not – not to say that that couldn't have happened, but we wanted it to happen. We oh, wanted man. that drama on an excellent was it? Well, it was a great Super Bowl. This would have been like over the top amazing in an yeah. overtime win. Either way, especially now where both teams would have gotten the ball. Yeah, would have made it. <laughs> could you? That would have made I it. Could have, I couldn't. I I'm just drooling at the thought of it. Even after the fact, I'm still like, God, that would have been so amazing. Just, just but, credit yeah. to Jalen Hurts. He absolutely awesome. shown yesterday. He wants to get his money. He's going to get all of it, too. He has oh, improved every season in his career. You look he at the numbers. They brought it up better. yesterday. I saw the pregame, too. Literally, his numbers have improved every single year. I will say, I know that Patrick Mahomes won the MVP. 
not a, both of the Super Bowl in the in the league MVP. Um, I think it's really easy that we can make the argument that Jalen Hurts should have been MVP of the season. I agree. I agree. There's there's nothing. It's not for the injury that that should not have counted well, against him. It yeah. was his to lose. We talked about it during yeah. that, that specific and, time. And we did. Was it was his to lose. Yeah, we looked at it and said, hey, you know, he did miss the two games, and, and they lost both games. And then you see how much better they played with him. And you just go, wow, that's – if that doesn't say MVP, I don't know what does. Um, it screams value. It screams yeah. it. it it's, but- what's really cool is that we got these young quarterbacks. We've got – let's talk about them. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We've got Jalen Hurts. We have Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and they're all each unique in their own way. And none yeah. of them are bad. I mean, you can say, hey, Patrick Mahomes is the best one. And I wouldn't argue that. I would say that he is probably the best player out of all of them. But the difference between one and one A or one and two is not much. You look at those five or six guys. I mean, you can win with any of them. Yeah, it really comes down to the differences. The rest of your personnel, your, yeah. your coaching, your plan of attack, what can you accomplish with the tools that you have? It really shows how if you have your general and you build your team right, you can have success. Yeah. It isn't to say that they can't be beaten. They can be, and they almost yeah. were. Oh, but, you know, we saw for the first half of the game, the Eagles knew they had a great game plan. It was the game plan we all knew they were going to do. Get the ball, run the ball, finish, score touchdowns, not field goals, and make those five, seven, eight-minute drives to keep Mahomes on the sideline. And that's what happened. And in the second half, they got the ball first, so they got the extra possession. That gets it down to a mm-hmm. one-possession game. But then Hurts brings them all the way back. I mean, look, it was, it was an eight-point game. Hurts takes them straight down the field, touchdown, two-point conversion, and we're at a brand-new ball game with five minutes to play, with four minutes to play. And it was like and, – and it really seemed to me whoever had the ball last was going to win or – was going to tie it to take this thing to overtime. I I think we were extremely close to overtime. I I agree. I completely agree. Because I think what what struck me, what we had talked about and what struck me so poignantly was the time of possession that they showed at halftime. Yeah, unbelievable. It was two to one plus in favor of the Eagles. They did exactly what they needed to do in the first half to take the lead. Where you saw that fall apart was the adjustments at halftime, the way the Chiefs came out in the second half. And the Chiefs are a second-half team. The Chiefs are flat-out a second-half team. They have always been. In conjunction with that, and this works against the Eagles, the Eagles' defense tends to slide a little in the second half. That's why that first half was so critical to make sure they had a lead and give them momentum yeah. going into the second half. And that's where I think the fumble is such a critical play because yeah. they had they owned momentum. If they had let's let's take that away and say, okay, let's say they fumble, but it's not a six. Not so great. Let's say you punt two plays later, that doesn't happen. You just get sacked, you punt two days two plays later. You own the 
the the momentum of the game is still in your favor. Yeah. That pick six ties up the game and changes the momentum. It changes the character of the game entirely. Yeah. That's why that plays so critical for the rest of the game. Because if that doesn't happen, the Chiefs don't get anything, don't get lit. They might get burned to 14 nothing, And they could get getting steamrolled again and again throughout the entire half, never finding their footing for any momentum to gain anything positive. Yeah. If that happens, this is a completely different game. But that's not what happened. And you can see this, the, the way that it kind of woke them up. And all of a sudden, this game is competitive. It's like a reset in that moment. They're tied up. They're in the middle of it. And now they're all they're just going step for step the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, it was getting the ball first in the second half was big for the Chiefs to get it to a three-point game. And then from there, yep. you only had one punt. I mean, that was it, one punt. And, um, it, yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. He had one punt in the game. I, I also think the other thing, so I was thinking about this this morning. I think about the game, and I was like, okay, if you took the units, the offensive and defensive units, and I think where they ended, the reason the Eagles lost the game in the end is their defensive unit did not play well. Uh, the Chiefs' defense played better than the, than the Eagles' defense. Thought the Eagles' offense played better than the Chiefs' offense. It's just the Chiefs scored more in the second half. I mean, the yeah. Eagles were doing everything they wanted to the entire game. I mean, there was no point. There was only the one three and out, and that was simply because the Eagles didn't, didn't run the ball. That was three passes and a, a punt. They didn't have to do that. And that was when I saw that. I, I and I like, wish they hadn't. Oh, you could see that they were establishing the run game and, and what I, I can't remember how many it was, but I believe it was something like five where they were fourth and short and they just wedged through. Yeah. yeah. Two of them were for scores because Hertz had three touchdowns. Yeah. He ran for three and threw for one. Now I heard somebody saying today that Hertz should have been the MVP of the game. I don't believe that you can give the MVP. I think he played better than Mahomes, but Mahomes won the game. You're going to give it to the winning quarterback unless there is some unbelievable record broken. You know, a running back, you know, breaks out two huge runs. A receiver has a 200-yard game, something ridiculous. Mahomes absolutely should Maybe have been a, the A DN gets four sacks or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah DN for career game, yeah. And I thought like, we were talking last week, and I said, hey, you know, one of the things that I thought was I liked the idea that Hassan Reddick had a chance at being MVP going in because I figured he's going to get pressure on Mahomes. He played horrible, horrible. And it started on the third play of the game, the, 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 the second play, the second down play of the Chiefs' first possession. He had an outside contain, and Mahomes gets outside and runs. It gets like four or yeah. five yards. And I was like, that's Reddick. If Reddick can't do that, they're in trouble. And he did not, I mean, like, I mean, a lot of the mistakes the Philly defense made were mistakes that, I mean, you're telling young players, like, I mean, I mean, young, I mean, like college and high school players, don't make these mistakes. Don't give up the edge. You've got the edge. You've got to stop it. Don't let them get out wide. Don't let a lot, don't let a shift move a middle, uh, move an outside linebacker past the midway point of the field. 
You've created a run lane or a passing lane. I mean, just getting too deep on the pass rushes. You know that Mahomes is going to take off. Even if he's gimpy, he's going to go one or two steps and get rid of the ball. So don't overrush. You get your hands up and make it hard for him to throw the ball. If you're not going to get there, at least have hands up. So many times we saw Reddick just pass him. Yeah, and this is where I break down to coaching. This is this is one of those situations where they didn't they didn't start stunting anything until late in the second half. Yeah. This should have been introduced in the first half. It should have been a delay. You know, that's the kind of thing where I would have loved to have seen a delayed blitz. Let it look like a four man rush for just a second, and let Mahomes start looking at his progressions. Then come. And yeah. then you got a free shot or get there. But that, they didn't do enough of that. They didn't do enough adjusting later on. You, were, you could see the Chiefs definitely made adjustments across the board for everything they were doing. I think a lot of this comes to my friend. And, and, and all props to him this year. Eagles and Sirianni got outcoached. He did. Yeah. And, and the defensive staff especially got way outcoached. I mean, the Chiefs were looking at how are you going to play the motion? That was the, that's the story of the game as far as I'm concerned. How are you going to play our motion? Are you going to overcommit? Are you going to drop into zone? And the answer, and they finally got the answer in the last couple possessions, it was drop into zone, short zone, and get a man at the line of scrimmage to hit Kelsey. And we saw that's why the Chiefs of the struggle in the red zone at the end of that last possession when they hit the field goal. It was like, okay, um, you know, here's just what I would do. I the other issue, I think you talk about the blitzes and stuff, they weren't creative with the inside guys at all. They just wanted to play four on five and thought they were gonna win. They thought Indomica Sue was gonna beat two guys every play. Where I'm sitting there going, hey, move those guys around. Get the up the inside two to stunt amongst themselves. You get, you know, one guy going so Sue comes in or Sue drives the middle, the, the center, so that the instant the left side can come around him to get pressure. You're not going to create run lanes on third and seven. Don't worry about the run lanes. Keep contained with the outside guys. And use the two inside guys more creatively. Um, move them around. They didn't do that. They just tried to play four on five up front. And they didn't do it well at all. Reddick was bad. Oh. Sue was bad. I always say that Adamica Sue, when he was younger, was so good. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he was so dominant. I mean, he he's not quite Aaron Donald dominant but he was the next step below. I've seen games where Damakasu just dominated people, and he was awful last night. He could not beat a double team at all. And when he wasn't trying to beat double teams, it wasn't like he was taking the two so that someone else could get free. It was just predictable. It was, all right, we're going to man up Reddick. We're going to move his ass as far back as we can take him. And we're on a double Sue. And now we've got man on the other two. It, it the defensive staff for the Eagles did a really poor job 
up front and with dealing with how they wanted to cover the motion. It brings up an interesting question to, as you're saying this. How much of, the, of this do you think is played into the fact that, um, quite frankly, the AFC, as the Chiefs on the AFC side, especially in the playoffs, saw better defenses? I don't then the kind of teams that the that the Eagles play. Uh, you know, the the 49ers obviously was a wash because they knocked out. The that was a weird. Game. But if you could take, you know, it was a weird game. But you could take, you know, even the Giants. Their path through the playoffs wasn't that difficult. No, I so, heard that. But here's why yeah, I don't the competition on the NFC side is. Yeah, you know, we never like, except for the 49ers and the Eagles, we really didn't talk up the NFC because we thought they were weaker. Quite frankly. I think the Eagles thought they were just going to roll their helmets out there and dominate the line of scrimmage. And exactly, and exactly my point. That, They're playing the same defense, but they play against that, weaker teams. Yeah, if you want to say that's the reason, maybe, but I, I don't think it was inventive. And I think the number one problem they had, especially in the red zone, was dealing with the backs. Dealing with the backs and dealing with the, 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 the sprint motion. Going across the field, it took them over to middle time to figure yeah. that out. And then once they figured out, okay, we're just going to go with them. The Chiefs knew, okay, because the, the way that the way an offensive coordinator works there is, he says, okay, we're going to run this at them. We're going to see how they adjust. The first time it's going to work. The second time they're going to adjust to it. Let's see what their adjustment is and the way they should have adjusted is instead of the the corner going with the receiver all the way across, they should have handed him off. Yes, I agree. The but even there, there are situations the that they had. Yeah. You could, but even there, you saw situations where they had they used Kelsey in motion to get the matchup they wanted through that very handoff. It's a, it's an interesting situation, yeah. but I think what I'm my point is is that especially for the Eagles on the NFC, on the NFC East and the NFC as it is in general, there's nobody on the NFC side of the, of, of the league in that conference that can play like the Chiefs can play with a very creative and very infinite offense. So they don't feel yeah. them. Well, see, I, I agree that no one is quite as unique in the offensive play calling as the, as the Chiefs are. Andy Reid throws some shit out there at you. But again, yeah. a, a good defensive coordinator knows what they're trying to do, knows what they want to accomplish, and needs to extrapolate that out. Say, okay, well, wait a minute. They know we're going to adjust this way, or they're going to want us to adjust this way. When we adjust, what are they going to come back with? It's like playing chess. You're a chess player. You know how it is. You're trying to see how someone moves so that you can play it two or three moves down. And Agreed. No, I, and that's totally what I the Eagles did a poor job on. And it's something that really shouldn't have been a problem because they should have known going in, these are the possibilities. You brought up the Kelsey motion. The Kelsey motion is purely for the run game because you know that everyone's doubling him. You know you have a linebacker and you have a safety over the top. So if I move Kelsey out, I'm moving the linebackers out. If they go on, if they have two backers in the game and one goes out and he's inside of Kelsey, now I got to see where the other one goes, and do I have to block him based on where we're running? And what they did beautifully was they ran counter. 
Those runs to Pacheco on the run game, were yes. counter. On the run game, yes, but what I'm the one the play I'm talking about specifically is the touchdown throw over where they motioned him and he cut to the cor- to the front corner of the end zone. And instead of getting the backer who was taller and more more like sized, he ended up with the safety who he was oversized. And it was an yeah. easy throw over the top. Yeah, and that's what they wrong. were motioning to get the matchup in the pass game. Yes. You're absolutely right with the run game. They're opening up the run game for that. Sure, absolutely. But what I was mentioning there was something that yeah. they did show during the game where they got the matchup to the smaller back to a taller Kelsey just throwing over the top. You see that with Kelsey. We used to see it with Gronk. Yeah, you want him to be the you want him yes. to be the bigger of the two, especially if I can get an undersized corner on. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that that's from the Bill Belichick playbook. And the Chiefs have done an exceptional job with that with Joe Travis Kelsey the last couple of years. I mean, look, yeah. we were talking two months ago about Travis Kelsey being the MVP. And a lot of that is the matchup stuff. I mean, he's just, you can't cover him one-on-one. The, you yeah, have to get a safety, a big safety on him to do that. They were talking about that in prep time because it, and this is, coaches have been talking about it the, the whole time with him is that you can't prep for a Travis Kelsey because you don't have yeah. a Travis Kelsey to to run against in prep for the Chiefs. You, yeah. you're not, you don't have a player that can do what he can do in your practice squad or in your scrimmages, in your in your practices all week. All you prepping for, for Travis Kelsey is just on paper yeah. and going through the motions. It's no yes. there's no preparation for real time game action against Kelsey that you can prep for unless you've played him before. Yeah. Um and I know that at one point uh, Olsen talked about that, and he, and he has a, a good frame of mind because he was that type of player as well when he was in Carolina. Yeah. The bigger guy, good hands. And that's the difference is that you get those guys, and they're so rare. I mean, it's Kelsey. It's Gronkowski. Greg Olsen was one of them. I mean, he wasn't as good as those two are, but but he was a phenomenal player. Big guy, big hands, and knew how to catch the ball. Um there's very few like that in the league. DK Metcalf is like that, but he's a wide receiver. But he's a wide receiver. And yeah. I think Greg Olson would have had more success like a Gronk or a Kelsey had he had a different quarterback. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If if Greg Olson – Greg I mean, Olson's – Let's be honest. If Greg Olson played a better franchise than the Panthers, he'd have been a Hall of Fame tight He still might be. But, like, I we'd be discussing be. him – in that top tippy top group. No, he's definitely and, a top. I want to talk about Olsen. He's, he's one of those. Yeah, yeah, he's got that long career tight end. You want him on your team. He's that kind yeah, he of tight was, end. He, and and you, you could tell his expertise. He understood what the Chiefs were doing with Kelsey. It's just so rare. Look, I, I made the comment. I think that Kelsey and Gronk are the two best tight ends of all time. I, I think there's now. A lip. I used to always say I didn't think that anybody be better than Shannon Sharp was, because Shannon Sharp was better than Gonzalez. I, I will argue yeah. to the death on that. Shannon Sharp was better than Tony Gonzalez, but what I will say right now is that I think that both Gronkowski and Kelsey are better than all of them. That's one and one A to me. I would agree with that. I would agree with that right now. I would say those four are are. If you take those four tight ends 
And I know I'm jumping the gun on here, and I know I'm a little biased on this one. I would throw Kittle in there as my top five right now. Kittle is the guy who can be. Oh, absolutely. You know the difference between Kittle and those guys are? With him, he needs a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, He's not as big as But he's crafty. He is. And he's got excellent excellent receiving hands, and he runs routes well. But that's what Kelsey doesn't do. The thing that Kelsey doesn't do any better than any of those guys, he does not run routes well. I mean, well. He runs well. Gronk didn't run great routes. But what they do is they do a lot of the quarterback options, the option routes with him. It's a lot of go here, go the eight yards, go left or right, I'll find you. And they do that better than anybody, even better than Brady and Gronk. I would say equal to. Yeah. I think, well, Brady and Gronk. That's that's a hell of a combo. That's a hell of a combo. Brady and Grog was a lot of called stuff. I mean, like Belichick was just like, okay, look, I don't care if he's double teamed, throw him the fucking ball. I mean, that's just that's just how they did it. Um, he's like, I think yeah. the best thing I ever heard about Rob Gronkowski was he was a polar bear with great hands. I mean, you just you couldn't cover. It's the same thing with Kelsey. I mean, it is. I mean, if I had to choose yeah. one, I would take Gronkowski, but it's not like it's it'd be a hard decision. <laughs> A lot of the basically who my quarterback is too, because I think actually I would say yeah. Who's my quarterback and what year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, which quarterback and what year? Yeah, he and Mahomes are a great combination. Um, I'm going to talk about this really quickly. The officiating. I'm going to get into it. We'll do it really quickly because the officiating did not win the game, but the officiating definitely changed the outcome. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say it like that. That's not gonna make a lot of sense to people, but I'll tell them I'll put it. The officiating didn't change the game, but it changed the outcome. I will argue they should not have flagged the holding call. I know that they've said, and even the player has said, Yeah, I held him. James Bradbury. Yeah. Yeah. Bradbury said I held, and he did hold. But my point is, is that for 58 minutes. They didn't throw flags on ticky tack stuff. And that was his ticky tack. There, there's actually, it's an interesting as you say that. I was thinking of a very specific Mahomes scramble that he tossed the ball and as he was going down on the, what would have been from the cameras, you know, from where they were directing in the camera, the, the far uh, sideline. And I thought this is the kind of Brady bullshit they might have thrown a flag for, and they didn't. Yeah, they did. They the refs I thought made two bad mistakes, and that's not bad. No, and no, no. That, there was nothing wrong with it because it wasn't an agree. It wasn't like he drove them. It wasn't yeah. bad. It was they were. It was just yeah. kind of bam, bam. They let the defenses play, which I like. I like they let the defenses I agree. play. I thought that that call at that time changed the outcome of the game because we knew the Chiefs were going to get the field goal. Now the Chiefs have to yeah, go for we a knew touchdown. That was, where they were, that they, was going to happen. Yes. Yeah, and that was there. I was third down. They're going to kick the field goal, but the Eagles would have had a minute and twenty, a minute twenty, and they had a timeout. Yeah. Now the by letter of the law, it's a flag. I get it. Well, here's what I'm going to say. 
if you are, if, if, if we're calling penalties, we're calling things one way for 58 of 60 minutes, why do we throw that flag? That's obviously going to change the outcome of the game. Plus, there's no way he catches that ball. Absolutely. This is unless I he was the agree flash. With what you're saying. Yeah, unless he was the flash, he wasn't getting to that ball. I completely agree, which is why they, their response to that is that it's not PI. That's why it's holding and not PI. Yes. But here's but then, my response to that there's nothing in that hold that changed his direction it was just a small tug on the jersey that's yep. it and in a, a small but you've seen worse on plays all throughout the year that never even happened and let's not even well let me, we're not going to egregious i i won't use the word egregious it was just yes technically it is but these kind of technical you know flags often don't get called because it didn't doesn't really affect the route. It doesn't affect their pace. That ball was ten yards past him, uncatchable. There, it's not that it's not a flag. It should just not have been called because it's never called. It's it's often never called for that very reason. The refs, I thought, did a really good job for fifty eight and a half minutes. Except there was yes, two things. Under tough I'll conditions. Two, and I'll get to the other one in a minute because the other one's for the went against the Chiefs. Um, I thought that play should not have been flagged. I just don't. I, I mean, they, they did not call ticky tack stuff the entire game. If there was a flag thrown, that was legit. They didn't throw ticky tack stuff on offensive linemen. The one that I was like early in the game, they they threw one on Sue, the illegal hands to the face. On a third down, and when you see it, uh, he's right up under his chin. It's not the face. He's mask. all the way up there. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. The thing that drove me crazy on that call was his hands are up there, but his hands are full of jersey and 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 pad. He's not yeah. driving into his face. Yeah. I get the penalty. Get I'm the, not going to argue it. But yeah, when you get up there, uh, that one that one was egregious, and I would have flagged that because you're up in his chin, and when you're doing that and you're pushing, that's a safety thing now. Yeah, that's yeah. that's flat. I have no problem with that call. I'll tell you. Yeah, what I have no problem with it. One. I don't like it, but I I yeah. get it. I totally get it. And I'm not going to argue it. Yeah, this one, the Chiefs fans would have had a bitch. They lost the game. The replay, Andy Reid, the one they lost, they should have won. Oh, Goddard did not catch that ball. That Goddard still hasn't caught that ball. I mean, it's that was not the <laughs> catch. I don't know what part of Mississippi someone was from to come up with that shit, but that was not a catch. Plain and simple. That was not a catch. I, he only got one foot in. You're going to say he had his heel down. You're saying he had no, no, you know, no, no. They, a millimeter of they a came back. spike down. Uh-uh. Hey, that was, enter a mile. That, they, they came back from the break and showed with both feet down, the, the bobble, the, the, the hands in control after the bubble. Yeah. I get I'm what you're like, saying. I get what you're yeah, saying. It, it is splitting frag. It's fractions of a second you're splitting hairs on, but I could see the argument the other way. I won't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept it, but I can we see should, the argument. It was the same way that I'm not going to, you know, I accept that the flag 
on on the Eagles for holding is a flag. I will accept that this also is a catch. Yeah. Here's the other part of that is that we don't get to see all the angles. Like we only get to see no, they have something they like thirty angles. angles. And we only get well, to I'll see tell you, like every six fucking or angle I saw, he didn't get two feet down. I was like, no, that's I and I, I, I honestly I rooting for the Eagles and I was like, no, they're gonna have to fight. <laughs> I, I thought he had it and then I saw the replay, I was like, Oh, I don't think he has it. And then when they okay. came back and showed that 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 split frame that he was down, I was like, Okay, I can oh. this'll work. This is fine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he had a terrible game. Goddard yeah, had a did. terrible game. I know he had well, he had really good catches. Right. Yes. But that guy couldn't block anything. I mean, my God, he got hit. He got Hurts hit on one play where I was like, that's your block. You're too yeah. fucking skinny. Yeah, he's not a – He's oh a receiving God. tight end. He's not a blocking no, tight end, and that's so my that's my knock on him. Yeah, it's, I get it's my knock on him. But he was awful at times. We talk about tight ends. These are the these are the kind of things that if you want to be a Kelsey, you want to be a Gronk, you got to block. Yeah, okay, yeah that's, he does. When you're running, you got to block. If you are passing and you are not the ball catcher, you got to block. I just simply that is how I have I have a term win for this. games. I have a term. I gotta I gotta shout it a little bit. I go be a bad motherfucker. You just gotta be a bad motherfucker. You just got if you're gonna be a tight end in the NFL, you've got to be a bad motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, you, which means the kind you of thing where be physical on every fucking play and. And I'll tell you who he reminds me of, and this is not a compliment, is Jimmy Graham. Yes, I know what you mean. And, and you know me well enough to know thing. how much I it's, hated that fucking guy. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. He's also one of those, he wants oh. to be a receiver tight end, not a blocking uh-huh. tight end. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing where they teach him. That's the thing where they teach him. Receiving tight ends do not have the success in this league if you can't block because you can't block and here's and here's what i mean by that when you bring in when you know that you're that the opposing tight end is a receiving tight end and they come on the field you know it's pass good pass because they don't block that's right yeah that's the difference and you don't have to be an exceptional hey travis kelsey's not an exceptional blocker but he's a bad motherfucker he will put his hands on you that's all you yeah. need sometimes. I ain't, yeah, I'm not asking for anyone to get planted. I ain't looking Dallas for you to steamroll. You know? I he had a terrible all game. I need you to do is hold the guy, you know, stand in front of him, sing a song, write a limerick, just for a few couple seconds. That's all you got to do. Because that ball should be flying within two to three. Horrible. You don't have Horrible. to be a great blocker. Just hold it for a couple seconds. Yeah. And that's enough. Uh, and he they don't do a very good job of that. He doesn't. Right. And your Jimmy Graham didn't do a very good job of that either. No. Uh, I want to talk. We talked about the uh, officiating. Um, you know, I there's one thing on the officiating thing I'm gonna bring up. This was not just this game. This has been a season long thing. It's driving me crazy. We heard yeah. a lot of people complain about Lane Johnson in the NFC Championship game, jumpings like he would drop back. He gets into his kick slide too fast. 
And I'm watching the game. And the Chiefs ran that play where they were trying to, I guess you want to call it ring around the posies, what I was calling it. Trying to, they were trying to get to the line of scrimmage and come out in a fucked up looking formation to try to match up. And the Eagles weren't biting. Now, here's my question. And this is something I think the competition committee has to look at in the NFL. Do you know the rule on where linemen have to be as far as toward the line of scrimmage in the NFL? I'll describe it if you don't. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the specific. I've never read the rules, so I don't know the specifics. The rule, the but rule I mean. simply states because tackles end up being off the line of scrimmage a lot because they're trying to yeah. make sure they're protecting against the pass rushers. So the rule states that your linemen have to have part of their helmet in line with the other helmets. Now, that's been taken way back. And I thought the Chiefs did it a couple times. The Eagles were bad about it. The 49ers are really bad about it. Their right tackle is awful yeah. at it. Um, yeah. But And there's a couple of teams that do it, too. The league is going to have to go in and make a change to the rule to make those tackles line up on the line of scrimmage. Because if they don't, They're going to have to have a situation where they have to give more time to the defense to match up on formations. I agree. And in the same vein, the one thing, and it actually did get called in the game yesterday that I have seen all year long, and I'm like, that doesn't look right, is those same tackles start to take their step before the ball stuff. They start they basically yes. fall starting. That's what I was talking and about. They Lane did Johnson. call it Lane yesterday. It was, the worst yesterday it was yeah. Yesterday it was egregious, but that has been happening all year long and not getting called for a lot of tackles. It's not yeah. this is not an isolated thing. I'm not picking on anyone that happens to a lot of offensive tackles that start their first step before that ball or as or before that ball snaps. It get they really push the limit of that. I don't, it's kind of, it's, it's what I would think of as, you know, the Euro step in basketball. That guy's yeah. taking two. No, that's three. It's basically the NBA's Euro step that they're putting in the NFL. Tackles are it's getting that play. extra step early to yeah. kind of get going. Competition commission like look it. at that and they're going to have to look at that and say it in the re- reference of, okay, you can't go into certain formations if that guy's not going to be up on the line of scrimmage. I just the Chiefs kind of bent that rule yesterday. Um, also on that ring around the posy play, they were not set. It should have been a penalty, but they got away with it. But it didn't matter because yeah. then the defense stopped them, so it didn't matter. Um, that was bad. But yeah, I think that the NFL is going to have to look. That's going to be a competition committee thing. It is for all rule changes. Uh, the coaches, right. someone's got. There's someone has to go in there as a coach and say, "This isn't right." Because that's happening a lot. The big argument was in the NFC Championship game. Lane Johnson, people thought he jumped five times. And it's like, wait a minute, he's leaving early. But part of it is he's half a yard off the line of scrimmage already. It looks like it. Yeah. And so I I, I got a little problem. I completely agree. And then. And I know we're mentioning him a lot, but he's hardly the only one. And he is not the only one. It's happening a lot. Yeah, he's not the only one. 
I I saw the I saw I, I bet there's a dozen teams that do them. And it's oh, I've it's, seen it all year long. All it's egregious, and it's usually the left side where it's egregious because that's where the the biggest pass rushes come from the back side of the quarterback. So yeah, that's the thing that the league needs to address. That the league also needs to address with officiating. These need to become full time officials, not part time officials. These guys need to be graded on what they did or they can or can't do or what they have done on Sunday. And they need to be at work on Monday or Tuesday going, yeah, we fucked that up. How we clean that up? They were talking about that today. And I'd like, and there were, uh, I can't remember the, it was, there was a clip on ESPN I saw and they had an, they had a, a retired official uh, talking about this very thing. And it, the reality is, is that, and, and he said it bluntly, they don't get enough reps. No, that's true. Especially that's during the offseason, they don't get enough reps. So you want to get better reps. officiating, they've got to do more officiating. They've got to get more experience. They've got to get more reps to become better officials. Yeah. And it makes me think, you know, are we using these officials for USFL, which is starting in April? Um, the XFL. I didn't watch it last year. I might watch it two years ago. But these are the kind of situations where, world, you know, some of the World League stuff, Canada League stuff, where – are these guys able to continue getting reps so that they are better officials year to year? I don't yeah. know, but it's what they well, need. And that would come with, and that would come with being able to have almost like a practice during the week to look at things and go, okay, well, we got to look at this, we got to look at that, okay, and then get reps as a crew. That that's a big problem, I think. I agree, and I, I just think that's a big a big issue. Um, it's not going to ever get changed. Not in our life, I don't think. Well, but we'll see. Until they become, you know, like full-time employee. Like if, if this becomes a career position, that's different. Yeah. You can focus on that. But we know that's not there. They know, we know that's probably not going to happen. And maybe not even, in, it may never happen, but I hope it yeah. does. Yeah. I would think that it's, you know, cost effective to do it if they really want to stop complaining about, bad calls as much as we do we, we we are every year year in year out it's always terrible officiating this is an egregious call that it happens all the time but it doesn't get any better until you start addressing the situation well, and i don't know and when again, that's going to be yeah and again i thought there was really one bad call that 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 play at the end was a bad call the one at the sideline that's not on the referees. That's on the booth. And so, I mean, I can give referees a pass on that one. Um, uh-huh. The last thing I want to talk about, or the last thing, two things here. One of them, um, you watch the game, I watch the game. How did you think Burkhart and Olsen did? There's controversy here. I thought they did. A, I, I, I like Olsen. I thought they were but great. As you... I, as as you know, when I, in my position on announcers is that for the most part, I t- I kind of ignore them. I hear them, but I'm not really paying a lot of attention. I'm taking I'm more focused on on what I'm seeing versus what I'm hearing from them. I usually will will pick up a tidbit here or there towards a rules explanation where there's something going on. But for the most part, I see it. They see it. They're not saying anything. I don't. I I kind of. Tune them out like you would tune out somebody who's like if you're on an airplane and someone's talking and you just zone them away. 
I kind of yeah, do I the same know. thing with the announcers. It's it's why I watch the Manning cast every Monday, regardless of who's playing it, because yeah. I can watch the game and listen to them without having to worry about being interrupted. So I enjoy both. But if I'm watching a regular, if I'm watching the regular broadcast, I'm not really listening to the announcers anyway. Okay. So I, I would thought... I would say that I liked what they did, and it was not intrusive to my experience. So I'm okay yeah. with it. Here, here's my thinking. So the reason that there's any contract, most, I mean, it's 95% positive that's out there right now. The issue yeah. is Fox has Tom Brady coming up. Now he's not going to call uh-huh. games next season. It's 2023 season. He's going to no, start in 2024, 2024. Yeah. But his contract states he gets to be the number one guy. And Greg Olson has done a fantastic job. Like if, uh-huh. If he's not, if Brady takes his job, Fox should let Olsen go somewhere else because he is great. Burkhart's great, the play-by-play guy. And I know a lot of people like, yeah. I, like I like Joe Buck, but a lot of people don't. But I, I think that Burkhart and Olsen did a great game. Um, that's so important. Like, I'll give you an example. You like, you say you can tune them out. I think it's, they're supposed to be there to enhance the game. Like we were talking last week about yes. how bad I think yes. Nance and Romo are now. And I'm so glad that Nance and Romo didn't call that game because I would have muted it. Or I would have gone to the I SAP agree. button. I would have gone to the SAP button, maybe. That's what I do on Sundays now. On Sundays, I go to Telemundo. <laughs> yeah, you were telling yeah, that's right, right, right. And Chris Collinsworth, he's terrible. And Tariqo's you, no better. You said it. That's exactly the name I was thinking. So if I'm talking, you're talking about announcers that are intrusive to my experience. Chris Collinsworth is that guy that when I'm listening to a game he's calling, he's not, I can't tune him out. He's actually intrusive to my experience. Yeah. I think the announcers should complement the experience. And that's and what I they did they, yesterday. I thought they did a great job. I did too. Collinsworth is one of those guys that when he's calling the game, it's it's actually, you know, detracting. It takes Chris, away from the field versus complimenting it. Yeah, Chris Collins was trying to be John Madden so bad. And there just isn't. I mean, he does the same changes and everything. And it just doesn't work. And no. Yeah, I, he's, they're, they're the worst. Well, no, I think Nance and Romo had the worst season. I've, Romo was so unprepared for games. And we saw that in the AFC Championship game. No, he phoned, he phoned it in. I don't know. Maybe he's going through something in his personal life. He phoned it in this year, for sure. Yeah, big time. Um, the last thing I'm going to talk about here is I want to talk just about the Chiefs for a moment. And we're not going to get into – we're going to have – we're going to, I'm going to come out we're going to say this. There's two things that we are not going to talk about on this podcast for the next few weeks. We are not doing the GOAT talk whether Mahomes should be with Brady. We're not having that conversation. We're not having that conversation because this is my podcast. I appreciate you coming on every week when you do. But quite simply, I think the GOAT discussion is fucking stupid. I think in the NFL, quarterback, we got five or six of them. You can choose any of them, and you got a chance to win. So I'm not going to fucking discuss who's better between Mahomes and Brady or Brady and Manning or any of that shit. Done. That's the end of GOAT conversation. We, as we have a full moratorium on who the GOAT quarterback is from here moving forward till I change my mind. Any problem with that? 
I don't have a problem with it, and I will support it in this way. The crop of young quarterbacks we have right now are exactly Bring that. that. They're young. Talk yeah. to me in 10 years. Yeah. I, will comp- I will have the discussion. I'll tell you what I would have a discussion about. I would compare. I would have that conversation today between a Brady, an Elway, and a Montana yeah. today. Now that they've all got their careers under their belt, I put. Yeah. You know, we'll talk Manning and those guys. Their careers are under the belt. We know their body of work. All of these guys: the Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar, Burrow, Tua. All these guys. They're young. They're just getting started. Mahomes is in his fifth year. Hey, look. We've never had a crop of, of, of quarterbacks. Let me, rephrase, let me rephrase this correctly. Potentially as good as the group we have now. And I'm going to name the names. Patrick Mahomes, who, again, I would take number one overall. I know that I, and everybody knows I love Joe Burrow, my favorite player. Mahomes is a better player. You have him, you have Burrow, you've got Mahomes, you've got Josh Allen, you've got – uh, I think Justin Herbert's one of those guys. Jalen Hurts is clearly one of those guys. Lamar clearly. Jackson is clearly one of those guys to me. So you got these six guys. And my argument is, what I love about it, none of them are the same. None they all have different games. All Very different, different games. games. You have to play them differently. If you're the chief, the Chiefs would not be as good today with any of those five quarter other five quarterbacks. Maybe because a their offense team. isn't built for that. That's just the same as you couldn't put Patrick Mahomes into the Bengals' offense and it'd be better. It's not built no, it'd for be him. Completely it's built different. For it's built differently. Yeah. Yes. So you couldn't put you could not have flipped those two quarterbacks yesterday. You couldn't. Burrow, so you need to give him a year Mahomes and redesign your team around that. Yeah, Mahomes can't do what 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 Hurts can do. Hurts can't come close to what Mahomes can do. I mean, it's just not even close. No, I'll tell you right now, there's no way that that Mahomes is going to get behind a wedge and push that thing four yards again yeah. and again and yeah. again. Mahomes can't you do that. Wouldn't ask him to. Can't do it. I, no, I, if exactly. I'm the head coach of the Chiefs, I wouldn't ask him to do that either. I got to protect that guy. There's a reason Jalen Hurts can do it. It's because Jalen Hurts can squat 600 fucking pounds. If you don't believe me, go check out the fucking YouTube. It's there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I he mean, showed there's it a reason again and again that. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm done comparing them all. I'm done with the GOAT conversation. I'm done with comparing them all. I'm simply going to say, they're all really fucking good. If I had to pick one, yeah, I'd take Patrick Mahomes. Today, Who do yeah. I think is going to have the best career? I don't know yet. There's things about years. all of them that I go, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. So I, I don't know. But what I'll say is we're no longer having goat conversation on this podcast. The moratorium is now on. Also a moratorium for now was we are not doing the cheap. Can the Chiefs repeat? What's our 2023 season prediction? Look, folks, this is Monday night, the 13th of fucking February. You tell me who the 32 quarterbacks are in the league next season, and I'll make a fucking prediction. 
I don't exactly. know that. I don't have any fucking clue. I don't know where Aaron Rodgers is playing next year. I don't know who the New Orleans Saints quarterback is. I don't know where Lamar Jackson's playing next season. Until I know these things, I'm not making a fucking pick. But what I will say there, is there's no go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What no, I will I say, say you go ahead. I cut you off. No, I'm sorry. No, it's it's you don't want well, we haven't had a draft. No. We haven't finished free agency. We it haven't even gotten into training camp. We don't know who's who's healthy. This is a bullshit conversation. I that is the one thing today that I am one hundred percent in agreement with you. That's a conversation you cannot have now. And anyone who is, is it's clickbait. It's bullshit. Yes. Yes. It's clickbait. It's time filler on ESPN. We've gotten this. And I was I was giving Tyler Jones shit about this last week. And I said, look, I understand your job. Like in his case, he has to do this clickbait stuff and he has to come with these bullshit arguments. They're not. There's nothing to that. There is nothing where you go, well, I don't know. I think it's going to – what I was watching the Daily Wager on ESPN. Or I had it on in the background here. At the, yeah. At the, at the studio. Yeah. And they spent half the show on futures for the 2023 season. And I'm going, wait. Don't waste my time. Why waste my time on this? What what You got basketball games, hockey games. Baseball's coming up in three weeks or in a month. I mean, we got shit going. Don't waste my time with this bullshit. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's a lot. It's just, it's filler. You said it great. It's clickbait. Um, so we'll be doing no season predictions. <laughs> we do know about the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to be in it because they're in their window. Well, yeah. they, got, they got Patrick Mahomes. They're in it. You know, well, you know who else is I'll in give it? you one. Everybody the Bengals are in it. They got Joe Burrow. You know who else is in it? Buffalo Bills, because they got Josh Allen. You know who else is in it? Here's the Eagles, because they got Hurts. Yeah, here's something else to consider. When we're talking about the GOAT conversation, here's something to consider. Andy Reid's not a young man. Say that again? You think Andy Reid's going to coach 10 more years? No. It's like 78 now or something like that. He's, he's 65. You think he's going to... Yeah, he's in his no, 60s. No, no, he's old. They were saying he's no, in, saw, his, in his yeah. 70s. Double check it, double check it. Some of you are saying he's well into his 70s right now. Oh, I don't think you're right. I, I thought he – Because – well, here's the thing is that it's right after – He has the ESPN article right here. He's 64. 64. Because the one thing that, that has been picked up on that is worth discussing, it's not the GOAT conversation is how much longer is he going to coach because he said – yeah, I'm going to come back next year because it's a question if he's coming back. Yeah. It is a question. At his career, he's been coaching for 40 years. He's got two Super Bowls with – or no, three Super Bowls with two different teams. He's been to three. three he's been, been to four. He's won two. Been to four. He's won two. He never yeah. won in Philly. So, he never won in Philly. He, he lost the one he was in in Philly. He's won two out of three in Kansas City. Right. Okay. So there's, a, I mean, there is a conversation there around coaching and Andy Reid. And if, if Andy Reid is not around the Chiefs for another 10 years to help guide this team to more Super Bowls, I said it earlier. 
they got out coached. The Eagles got out coached yesterday. Yeah. But has it changed? That's a different coach. Yeah. It's a different outcome because it's not just it's not just that you don't have Andy Reid. You don't have Andy Reid. You don't have Eric Bieniemy unless he sticks around and takes over. There's a lot of success right when those two names right there for the Chiefs for the last five years. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy is going to be an OC somewhere else next season. I think that's done. I think so too, and that's something about. Those are the kind of variables when you start talking, having goat conversations. It's not the individual yeah. player per se. It's the talent around them on the coach and the field. Look at yeah, Aaron Rodgers. That's just, that's just like we have, we've had the, you know, when I've had the goat argument, people, look, I still argue to this day that Peyton Manning's better than Tom Brady. And here's the, my argument. <laughs> Would you rather have Brady and Belichick or Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy? Boy, if Peyton Manning would have had Bill Belichick all those years and Tom Brady would have had Tony Dungy, what do you think? I don't think either of those combinations work. Now, you know, looking back, looking back. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I like either of those conversations. My argument on Peyton Manning is always that if you look since he played, since his career started, every quarterback plays like Peyton Manning. Now, it's a little changing now with some of the run stuff. But if you look, they yeah. all play like Peyton Manning, even Tom Brady. I, I pull up the head coach. The thing you. about Peyton Manning is he's a smart. He just like Brady. Yeah. He's a smart quarterback. He understands yeah. not just his own role. He understands everybody's roles and coordinates yeah. as a general properly. Yeah. He's a smart yeah. quarterback. Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, that's like the Drew Brees and Sean Payton with them. I mean, if yep. Drew Brees and have Sean Payton all those years, he's not all of it. You know, uh, I pull up the head coaches for you. Pete Carroll's the oldest head coach. Um, he is 70. Um, I'm sorry, no, Belichick is actually a few months older. They're both 70 years old now. Andy Reid's third. He's 64. He actually turns 65 in March. Um, from there, there are three coaches in the 60s. Frank Wright, the new coach of the Panthers. Ron Rivera with the Commanders. John Harbaugh from the Ravens is 60. I did not realize Sean Payton is 59. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there. He's not the oldest, but he's up there. He's another one of those. So he probably doesn't have to coach that much longer, but he, I mean, I'm glad to have him. Don't get me wrong. I'm so happy he's coming to Denver. But, you know, it's not going to be, he's not going to be in Denver for another 10 years. He's probably going to stick around, have some success. Maybe he'll retire again. Who knows what will happen? You don't know. Sean McVay? is still the youngest head coach in the NFL. Yeah. And he's not young anymore. He used to be really young. Now he's not that 30, young. He's only 36. Yeah. I know he got that he's job. only 36. Yeah. I, I'm looking at my age now because I'm 47, and I'm like, okay, Dable is my age. Dable could be my doppelganger if I had less hair. <laughs> <laughs> You could shave it. <laughs> I'm not shaving my head. No, I I got good hairs. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not tempted fate like that. Um, Jeff Saturday's my age. Mike Brable's my age. Yeah. Josh McDaniels is almost my age. He's 46. Yeah, you don't I, want to coach like him though. Oh God, he's awful. I don't know how he kept the job. Awful. He kept the job because he has a contract. Um, I don't know how he kept his job. 
So, yeah, I think you bring up a good point, though, that the Mahomes thing, again, how's his career going to differ in maybe two to three years without Andy Reid? That's going to – that's something to do that. Even if it, if, if Bien-Ami is an OC anywhere else next year instead of Kansas City, even that's going to affect him because he's yeah. been the only OC Mahomes has known. Yeah, well, let's talk about Mahomes for a minute, though. Let's talk about how – you mentioned it earlier, now. until we get to it, I'm going to get to it now. We were so right, and everybody else was so wrong on Tyreek Hill. We kept hearing every week. We kept going, I'm tired of hearing about this shit. Because he's Mahomes is a better player without him. And we said it the week of the trade. You and I talked on this podcast and said, yep. this is good for Patrick Mahomes. This is better for Patrick Mahomes long-term. This will make him a better quarterback. He is a better quarterback today than he was in training camp because he doesn't have to rely on the cheetah throwing the ball to deep time. He has to play the position. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? Is he even said it before the Super Bowl. Even he, it's his own words out of his own mouth. He says, I have learned so much about the game and playing and positions and all this. He's like, you know, even in college, I just, you know, like, I got to throw here. I got to do this. He knew his position. Today, he even admitted to himself that he has learned more under this staff and in this role on this team about being a leader and a quarterback, leading for the team, leading the reading defenses, looking at positions, movement and motion and all of this. Even that's straight from his mouth, admitting this. He has learned more this year than he's ever known about football before. It's funny because we've talked all about this. I mean, all about. I mean, when you get a you get a quarterback with that much talent, there you have to force them into situations to grow, and this is one of those years where he showed growth. Yeah, yeah. He he he's a better football player today than absolutely he has ever been. And we said in the beginning of the season that the Tyreek Hill trade was going to be a positive for the Chiefs, not a negative. And, P- and it's been brought up every single game. It was brought up in the Super Bowl. The name Tyreek Hill I mean, came up. How long are they going to keep? I mean, all season, all season. If they bring his, if they bring this up again next year, I might just have to boycott some 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 shows. I can. We cannot talk about Tyreek Hill and Mahomes next year. We can't do that in the offseason. We can't no. do that in the draft. This has to end. I'm begging for all these sportscasters to stop talking about Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I'm yeah. sick of it. Yeah. Just please stop. It's not. That's not where they are. That's not who they are. Move on. Let it okay. go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we were. Look, we're ahead of the look. We already know we're ahead of the curve anyway. <laughs> so let's just we admit know. it. Look, you and I, we're not geniuses, but we know more than 95% of people about football. I mean, it's just simple. I mean, I've coached it. We both played it. We both are nerds and we know how things work. I mean, it's it's just who we are. That's why I didn't go to that's I why I don't my- go to Super Bowl parties because I'm not the guy you want at your Super Bowl party where I'm trying to watch the game. No one wanted to hear about me talking about, God damn it, they can't get this thing going and this and this and everything else. I mean, I, 
I'm a coach when I watch the game. I'm, I'm a pain in the ass to watch a game with. I, I, Wednesday comes, and I'm starting to set my fantasy lineup. I read my tea leaves one cup at a time, just like everybody else. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, I don't play fantasy that much anymore. Like, I didn't play it all this past year. I'm so glad. I didn't miss it at all. <laughs> it's a nice – I, I find it a nice, nice fun side thing. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I will probably it's play fun. next season. But someone will yeah. talk me into playing next season. I just took a year off of it. And then because we got sports gambling, that helped. That filled that gap. <laughs> yeah. It also filled my bank account, which was nice too. So that was good. <laughs> um, I want to thank Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel and everywhere else because they got all the fucking apps. Um, yeah. Last thing I'm going to talk about. I do like Chiefs. the DraftKings app. I'm not going to lie. I do like yeah, that. And hey, DraftKings app. is still the, the, our sponsor. If you are listening to the podcast, go to our show notes. You're going to get $100 free with your first deposit. And you're going to be able to put $5 on a game and win up $200 in free bets on that as well. Check out fan, uh, DraftKings. Look, you can get all your action on college basketball, the NBA, Major League Baseball is coming. You know where I've been killing it lately. Austria, Australia. Australian NBL. I'm the murder in that. I'll give you, I'll give you the Iggy. Here's what you gotta know. The Sydney Kings are gonna win the whole thing. They're not gonna lose from here on out. They're gonna win on Wednesday night, and they're just gonna start, there's gonna steamroll. We're down to the last four. It's two, three game series. The New Zealand Breakers will win their series. As well, they're already up one game to nothing. They'll probably win game two. Sydney will play, I think it's Wednesday and Friday. They'll win both back to back, and we'll be on the Breakers versus the Kings. It's a five game series, and Sydney will win in four. The only team that was going to beat Sydney was the Perth Wildcats. They lost in the play in game, they had the best player in the league. But they they lost. They're out. <laughs> but I, there, I just hipped everybody to it. Now you just got to stay up and watch the game. You can only watch the game, though, on FanDuel. FanDuel TV, which is fantastic because it's like 3 o'clock in the morning when the game comes on. The Sunday game is Saturday night at 11, though. That's nice. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what about it last night because um, I did have some of those bonus bets. And I threw some of those bonus bets on the Phoenix Open. Did you do well? And I, I did. All, I, I took. I had. I had eight of them. I had eight bonus bets. So I took three of them on Sunday, on Saturday night. Uh-huh. And I put one. I put it on John Rom, Xander Shoffley, and Scotty Scheffler. And Scotty Scheffler won. Nice. Uh, well, got me a nice chunk of change back because most of my Super Bowl, I did get a little. I did put a little bit on the Chiefs. Most of my Super Bowl was Eagle, Eagles heavy. So having that bonus bet to get me back to even, I basically broke even. I lost like $3 on the night overall net. That helped a lot. So I think as we're getting into the summertime, that's probably where my betting is going to be is, you know, the weekly tournaments. So a friend of mine has got his bonus bets from uh, DraftKings as well. He's got like five of them he has to use by Friday. So he hits yeah. me up the staff and he's like, Give me some, give me a bet for tonight. And I was like, easy. Parlay Baylor and Miami and take Miami on the money line, even though they're a five and a half point dog. 
and it fucking hit. I'm like, dude, but I, I got my yeah. teams now. I know who I like. And I'll tell you where I'm going to be scary because I haven't watched a lot of college basketball before this year for the last two or three years. Don't, yeah. None of you motherfuckers want me on pool this year. I'm going to dominate these pools this year. <laughs> I know about all these motherfuckers. And I'm going to tell you who the Final Four teams are if they're in a different – one, Alabama. No chance they're in the Final Four. Yeah. Purdue, okay. if they don't have to run into Miami or Xavier. Watch okay. out for Miami. Watch out for Xavier. Those, those, those are a couple of – Dark horse. Miami is just this long, massive team. I want to see Miami play Kansas. That would be the funnest fucking basketball game. Because nobody that would, has a you know, that could, that could be Everyone will no, just go. I believe, based on rankings, that would be like an Elite Eight matchup. Yeah, I, we go, we're going to have to have a pool, clearly, for the show. I know you'll get in, I'll get in. We'll get Hogan Girl get in. You know who's going to gonna kill us all, though? He. He might. Yeah. He might going to kill us. He's going to murder us. We, yeah, but we knew this, you know, basically from the womb. From the womb, he was already, you know, knew more about sports than I did. He, he <laughs> so. and he's a basketball savant. He really knows that game. I mean, he, you know how I, we know a lot about sports. We know a lot. We can watch a basketball game and see things that most people can't see. We can definitely do it in football. I mean, football, we see something nobody sees. Sure. Well, we're, that's why oh, I'm yeah. a pain in the ass to watch a ball game with. But P sees, Peyton sees basketball like we see football. And oh, yeah. I can't get my eyes that way yet. It's because I never played it. And the only little bit of coaching I've ever done with it was with little kids. You know, so it's just about just keeping everything kind of um, – uh, you know, just being kind of sure-handed about stuff, you know, and just kind of being, you know, yeah, teach them the right way to do things. And that's that's pretty standard across all um, all sports. But I can't see the game like he does. He sees it so well. I've listened to the pods with him, and he's just – the way he talks about it, you know, he gets, he gets it. Yeah. He really gets it. He said something on the pod this weekend. When we did the uh, piece on the the trade deadline, he said, and I, I was like, I, I at the time I didn't challenge him on it because he knows better than I do. He said that the Kyrie Irving trade puts the two best ball handlers in the NBA on the same team, that being Kyrie and Luka Doncic. And I was like, yeah. Luka, really? But I'm then listening. I'm watching. Pardon the interruption. I had it up earlier today, and Tony Kornheiser. Said the exact same thing. Gets it. He I'm just like, does. He just knows. I'm not fucking with him on this. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I can get him on college because I watch more college. And I think I can, just because I'm more familiar with them, there's going to be this, this, this tournament is going to be batshit crazy. Batshit. I expect. Anything to I think this is a year that anything could happen. Yeah. Anything could happen to any team. I, I I really think we have there's three teams I think are better than everybody else, but they're all susceptible to getting upset. Um, I think that Alabama, Houston, and Purdue are the three best teams. 
Houston's really long, but they don't shoot extremely well. They don't play yeah. much defense. So if you can get up a lot of points, if you can get if you can score and get buckets, you can stay with them. Purdue just has a monster in the middle of the court. He's seven foot four, yes. and he's fucking fantastic. And Zach Eden, can he's going to be Edemy, the, right? Is his name? Is that e, e, it's Edie or E Day? It's spelled E D. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was E Day, but then I've heard it's Edie. So. He's fantastic, okay. though. He's old school. I mean, he's like an old school center. The reason they lost to Northwestern was that Northwestern had, had a big that was seven foot one. And they yeah. just kept double teaming every time he got the ball. He got the ball and they just faced him up with two guys and he had to pass and then Purdue couldn't shoot. And then yeah. Alabama is really, really good. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Bama play Kansas. I'd love to see Miami play Kansas. Miami's really good. I, I really, I was, I was, I was going to say before, I think that's a good Elite Eight matchup. I think that's when they would meet. Ranking-wise, it sounds about right for an Elite Eight matchup. Yeah, because Kansas will be a one seed unless they unless they lose in the next couple of weeks and something egregious. The thing is that they're the bet they're the best team in the best conference. So a couple of losses they got don't hurt. Now, and it, yeah, the Big 12 is a lot better than everybody yes. else. <laughs> the Big 12 is a lot better than everybody else. So yeah, um, it's, it's not hype. It really they re- they are this good, and we're gonna get better, especially after the the moves. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, I may go to the Big 12. Joins the Big 12. Yeah. Well, yeah. The the people joining the Big 12 is going to help basketball. The ones you're losing, it's going to help both football up. <laughs> it's going to help both. It's going to help both sports, but I'm looking forward to what it does to to, to basketball. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So, um, okay, I do have a question for you. Okay. You think Eric Bieniemy is leaving the leaving the Chiefs? A lot of talk about him that he's opening for. Uh, He's open to looking to move, even if it means being an offensive coordinator. And, At this uh, point, it, look, you and I are in agreement. I think even two, three years ago, he should have been a head coach already. So my thoughts on this are very much yes. Even if yeah. it's a lateral move, it's a lateral move to show his career that he has the skills to succeed elsewhere. And I think it's, I think he has to do it because there, there's, if he hasn't gotten the, the head coaching job now, it's the only way he's going to get one is to, to show yeah. success elsewhere. I heard this was last off season that he doesn't interview well. I don't like saying that because one, he's an African-American candidate. I just don't like, like holding brothers down like that. But it, it, it makes it sound like he's unintelligent, which we know he clearly is very intelligent. But I guess at clearly. some point he doesn't represent himself well in the interviews. I don't know what that's all about. And again, I've just heard that. I don't know that that's true. But I, I don't know if it's true, but I think you have to look beyond just an initial interview. It's kind of like people who don't test well. Like they don't, they don't take like bubble tests well or yeah. or don't test exam well. days. They get anxious or exa- maybe he doesn't interview well. But his body of work speaks volume. Yeah. 
And all yeah. you need is one owner who gets along with him. Yeah. He's gotten one, but he doesn't have the head coaching job. And it might be the kind of thing where they're saying, hey, hey, stick around. Andy Reid's not going to be around forever, and we like you here. We like you in this position. Maybe they want to promote from inside. Maybe they're, whole, they're asking him to stay. But at the same time, i got to think that if he can show success as an OC somewhere else, yeah. it speaks very well of his potential in his career. Yeah, it's more, he's more apt to get a job if he's at two places rather than one. So I hope you're right. And I think in that same in that same vein, as we were talking about it earlier, I think it would be good for Mahomes as well. I think it would allow him for growth with another OC. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see what happens there. Uh, the one thing I last thing I got on the Chiefs. We we'll go back to this. We got sidetracked on the basketball for a minute. Um, I'm done with one more thing. On what done with something on the Chiefs though. I'm going to piss some people off with this one. But you Chiefs fans, I am not a Chiefs fan. I'm just going to tell you, motherfuckers. If you're the Chiefs fan who says they didn't respect us, literally get the fuck out of here. You were the favorite at the beginning of the season. You've been either the favorite or the second favorite the entire season. There has been no disrespect of the Chiefs. 74% of all the tickets of who was going to win the Super Bowl were the Chiefs. So, and I know Travis Kelsey said it. That doesn't mean he's right. And I know sometimes athletes will think that, kind of like they do the Michael Jordan thing of, they disrespected me. You didn't get disrespected. Look, a lot of people picked the Eagles. I picked the Eagles. A lot of so-called experts pick the Eagles. That's not disrespect to the Chiefs. Anyone who's in there saying that they disrespected the Chiefs, that's bullshit. And, and, I and I what I hear is I hear him saying that involving the Tyreek Hill trade. Well, we 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 didn't know how good we'd be without Tyreek Hill. Motherfucker, Brett Veach knew exactly what he was doing. And mm-hmm. you got to give Brett Veach a lot of fucking credit as the general manager because he lost that deep thread. He goes to the coaching staff and says, what do you need? And he goes and gets guys. Goes and gets guys like Kadarius Tony. You know, they give more stuff to Schuster. They drafted Sky Moore. And these, this wasn't just dropped in their lap. This was, they knew what they were doing. So save my, save me from your disrespect bullshit. Handle your, handle your I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll do you. I'll do you. I'll do you one more. What was the line on this game again? One and a half. How close was the game? Say that again. Field goal. It was a field goal difference. Field goal. What again? In the game. Yeah. It was thirty-eight, thirty-five. Yeah. I. Now you may be a Eagles fan. You may be a Chiefs fan. But from, and I'll speak just for me. And this is in the pot. I said this game would be close. Yeah. I said it could be close. That that line of one and a half, it's right on. Yeah. And it shows. There's no disrespect. You don't here's the thing that, that may be new for the Chiefs and especially the Chiefs fans, yeah. is yeah. that all of a sudden, now that you're having success, you realize how lonely it is at the top. You wonder why the Cowboys get a lot of hate 
It's because they spent a lot of time at the top years ago, and people love hating at the top. It happens all the time. Remember people talking about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and how look how people talk about Aaron Rodgers today. It's very, now, in fairness, I, I'm picking on Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, this guy did an astrology chart the week before he's going on his dark retreat bullshit. Let's not get in. We'll get into that another day. Yeah, we'll but my point we'll, is, we'll is that the offseason next week. Yeah, I'm my sure point is, is that I think the Chiefs are starting, especially the Chiefs fans, are starting to experience a situation here where not everybody is a fan of the Chiefs. Yeah, and their success is in the way of other teams' well, success. I, I think the Chiefs fans that are, and it's not all of them. It's a small minority of them, actually. Oh no, it's it's, some, it's like New it's York never all of them. Yeah. So that's well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that's but there's a big. Can you hear me? Hey, Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in. We're going to end it here. We're going to drop this thing off here. Uh, I want to remind everybody, Uncle Rico's appearance, as always, is brought to us by Stitch Fix. Uh, don't forget, 25% off your first uh, first box of Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes. You can save that today. It's a great way. Hey, we're getting into spring, hopefully, hopefully soon. Uh, here, it's been nice, nice couple days. So. Uh, let's get some spring clothes and get some new stuff. Check out Stitch Fix. I love it. So check it out. I think you'll be really happy. And again, save 25 bucks first time by using our link in the show notes. Uh, Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in this week. I will chat with you again next week. I also want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox for all they do behind the scenes. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. So until the point five, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are not in the fun. Take care, everybody.